Can you tell us, do you know the defendant in this case, Elizabeth Broderick? Yes, I do. And how is it that you know her? I'm a personal friend of hers. When, when did you meet Mrs. Broderick? Uh, in the spring of 85. And can you describe your relationship, the nature of your relationship, please? Uh, we were friends um, and have been. We became friends and acquainted uh, when she uh, was living in La Jolla Shores uh, and have been since that time. Which, which house was she living in in La Jolla Shores, on Calle de Cielo when you met? Uh, no, she was living in the rental house. She was still living in the rental? Yes. Okay. And did you then at some point begin a dating relationship? Yes. And uh, did you have an intimate relationship with her? Uh, eventually we did, yes. Did you ever uh, get to the point where you proposed marriage to Elizabeth Broderick? No, I never did. Did you continue to have a relationship with her up until uh, November the 5th, 1989? Yes. And during the course of your relationship with her did you often take trips together for example yes we did can you describe some of those trips that you took where did you go for example um, <coughs> we went, went to New York uh, San Francisco um, Hawaii Acapulco did you go to New Orleans together once yes we did I'd like to direct your attention to the weekend of November the 5th on that Saturday the day before did you have any contact with Elizabeth Broderick? Yes, I did. How did you have contact? Uh, she had called me uh, at work and had invited me to come over to have dinner with she and the two boys. Okay. Do you recall about what time it was on Saturday that she called? Um, I believe it was uh, in the morning sometime. And uh, she invited you to come to dinner that night, is yes, that correct? Yes. Did you agree to do that? Yes, I did. Was that unusual or common? No, that was very common. Do you recall about what time it was that you went over to her house that night? Mm, it was late in the afternoon, maybe five or six. Okay. And when you got there, was there anybody else at the house? Uh, just she and the two boys. And you're referring to Danny and Rhett? Correct. Were you aware that she had had uh, Danny and Rhett over her house since the night before, since Friday? Uh, yeah, I believe that they've been there uh, since Friday. What, what happened after you got over to her house that evening? Or afternoon? Um, nothing unusual. No, I just cooked dinner um, and just sat around and watched TV. Who, who was it that cooked dinner? Uh, Betty did. She cooked dinner for you and the boys and herself? Yes. And did you all four of you sit down and have dinner together? Yes, we did. What, now, you indicated nothing unusual. Was there anything unusual about Elizabeth Broderick that day? No. Did, she didn't appear to be unusually distraught or upset about anything? No, not to me. After, um, excuse me, strike that. Did um, did she was she complaining about anything in particular to you? Uh, no, it, <laughs> if she had anything she wanted to, to complain or talk about. She wouldn't, you know, complain usually to me like in the presence of the boys. So you're indicating that she didn't complain, didn't make any complaints no. about anything that had been occurring or anything she was particularly upset about. No. What was it that you did after dinner? Oh, we just watched some TV. Okay. And that was the, the group of you with the boys as well? Yes. All four of you? And approximately <coughs> what time did Elizabeth Broderick go to bed? Mm, as I recall, it was around 9 or 10. Okay. 
Was that a normal time for going to bed, as far as you knew, for Elizabeth Broderick? Uh, it could be sometimes. There wasn't anything unusual about that? No. And when she went to bed that night, do you know who it was that she slept with? Did she sleep with someone else? Uh, yes, she and Rhett uh, slept in her bedroom. And where did you sleep that night? Oh, I was in the front of the house in one of the other bedrooms. Okay. And then Danny slept in his own bedroom? Yes. <coughs> the next morning, do you recall being awakened by anything? Uh, I remember uh, her truck starting up and leaving. Do, when you refer to a truck, you're refer, referring to her suburban yes. truck? Yes, or, or what I believe you know, to be, you know, it sounded like her vehicle starting up and I just rolled over and went back to sleep. And how was it that you would have heard that? Uh, I was in the front bedroom of the house and uh, it was, the driveway was nearby. And you, you just heard the car start up? Yes. Okay. And then, then what happened? What did you hear? Well, um, I assumed it pulled away. Uh, you know, I heard it start up and just kind of rolled over and went back to sleep. About what time was it when you heard the car leave? Uh, you know, that would be hard to judge. Uh, I could guess, but I, you know, it was, I don't necessarily remember it being light outside. You don't necessarily, was it, was it still dark when you heard that? Um, gosh, I don't know, it was early in the morning. Um, I, I didn't, didn't really pay a whole lot of attention. There was, I didn't like roll over and look at the clock and make a note of the time or anything. Your Honor, if I could approach the witness, I'd like to just show him a um, police investigative report dated November the 5th, 
Okay, and what did Diane Black tell you? And she had said something about, uh, remember I was asleep, Danny came in and woke me up, and she kind of said something about um, that Betty had been over at Dan's house and that there were some shots that had been fired. Uh, and she wasn't really sure what had happened, but, uh, but there, Betty had been at Dan's house and that there had been some shots fired. If I could have you take a look again, just to refresh your recollection at the same report, page two, at the first paragraph there, that particular sentence. If you read that to yourself and see if that refreshes your recollection about what Diane Blank told you. Okay. Um, this is what I had spoken with the uh, police officer with. Mm -hmm. My recollection at the time of the phone conversation, I told the officer uh, that she had shot Dan and Linda uh, in bed at their home. And this was an interview that you had that very day with the police officer. Yes, that's correct? correct. So is it fair to say that your recollection on that day was fairly clear? Yes. So your information at that point anyway is that that Diane was telling you that apparently the defendant had told her she had shot Dan and Linda in bed at their home. What what did you do when you received this information from Ms. Black. Uh, I my immediate thought was, uh, you know, concern for Dan and Linda. Uh, they might still be alive. Uh, you know, if this had in fact had occurred, uh, and that someone uh, should call the police. Uh, you know, do something about uh, checking on the situation. Do you recall approximately what time it was that you received this phone call? Mm, I'd have to guess around 7 a.m. So the, the sun was definitely up by that time. Yes. And so what did you decide to do? Uh, a lot of things went through my mind. Uh, I decided to leave the house and I went down the street to Gail and Brian Forbes, who were friends of Betty and Dan's, and uh, we had told them about the phone call that I had received and you know, asked if they had the phone number over there and, and thought we should try to call over there. And I take it that uh, at that point you and, and Brian Forbes decided to go on over to the house and check on their welfare? Uh, yes, uh, I discussed it with Brian and we decided that it would be a good idea. Uh, no, we were going to call the police and, and, uh, and Gail did try to call them and we didn't have the exact address of the home on Cypress Avenue. And it's pretty hard to, to tell someone to go check on a house. I, you know, Cypress could be a long street. And they were go Gail was going to try to locate the address, and Brian and I talked about it and decided that we had better, you know, in the interest of expediency, uh, had better try to go over there and see if we could do something ourselves. Now, you were the one that drove on the way over there with, with uh, Brian Forrest, yes, correct? Yes, that's correct. And how was it that you knew how to get to Dan Broderick's house? Uh, I had been by his house in the past. Uh, with Betty a couple times dropping off the kids and Brian had also attended uh, Dan and Linda's wedding there. Had you ever driven by, just driven by the house in a car with Elizabeth Broderick on occasion before? Uh, not just, I mean there was a specific reason if we went by there uh, and I, you know, it was to drop the boys off.
when you arrived at, at Dan and Linda's house, um, the um, did you go into the house and ultimately find them? Yes, we did. Okay. And did you also um, go up into the bedroom following Brian Forbes? Yes, I did. Showing you what has been marked as people's four, you can take a look at this photograph. Does that accurately depict your recollection of how Dan and Linda were found that morning? Yes, it does. Did you uh, touch either Dan or, or Linda that morning? No, I did not. Did you touch anything in the bedroom? No, I did not. Did you touch anything in the house essentially other than obviously walking up the stairs? Uh, just the doorknobs and maybe perhaps the playground. By the way, how far away is Elizabeth Broderick's house on Calle de Cielo from the beach? Uh, from the immediate beach, um, maybe a mile. Is it within walking distance? Yes, it is. After um, the police arrived at Calle de, excuse me, at Cyprus, um, I take it that, that you did give a statement to, to the police. That's the report that you've looked at. Is that correct? Uh, yes, an investigator came and took a statement from Brian and I. And then after that, what did you do? Where did you go? Uh, then after that, I took Brian home back to his house. And where did you go? And then after that, mm -hmm. after I stayed at Brian's house for, oh, I don't know, maybe an hour. And that, on that particular Sunday, uh, I was supposed to sail on a race. And you know, I said to Brian and Gail, the boys were there, there was nothing really I could do, and so uh, I proceeded to go and sail in this race. Did you go back to the house at Calle de Cielo at any point? Uh, not on that day, no. Okay. I had no reason to. So after you left to go down to pick up Brian Forbes before going over to Cyprus, that was the last time that you had been inside the house? Uh, that's correct. Okay. On that day? On that day, yes. Okay. And When was, prior to that weekend, when was the last time that you had seen Elizabeth Broderick? Uh, I'd seen her earlier that week. Okay. Do you recall what the circumstances of that were? Uh, well, we had gone to Acapulco the weekend prior and uh, you know, decided we had returned on Monday. Was that a, when you went for the weekend, did, was it a like a three-day three -day weekend trip? Yeah, it was like four days. Weekend. Okay. And was there anything um, unusual about Elizabeth Broderick at the during that time on your trip to Acapulco? No, not you know. It appeared to be unusual to me. We were the group of people. Okay. It, it basically you had a, a normal fun time together in Acapulco. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That's correct. And prior to that trip to Acapulco, had you been on a trip to San Francisco with her uh, a couple of weeks before? Uh. There's a football game that I attend in San Francisco usually every year, and, and I believe that we went that year, but I can't remember if we did go that year or not. Do you remember being in San Francisco around the time of the earthquake? 
think it was after the earthquake, maybe. I, I'm just wondering if that refreshes your recollection uh, about being there with the defendant. No, I, no not offhand. You indicated that, excuse me, did you, how often would you see Elizabeth Broderick in the, in the normal course? For example, how often a week would you see her? Um, I'd probably see her, I don't know, three or four times a week. And was that true for the summer and fall leading up to yeah, pretty much November the 5th? And uh, was there anything particularly unusual about her during that time? Oh, around the fifth year. During the during the summer and the fall leading up to November the fifth. Um. No, not anything specific I can remember. Did you know that Elizabeth Broderick had a gun? Yes, I did. How was it that you knew that? Uh, she had told me that she had purchased one. Do you remember when it was that she told you that? Oh, gosh. Uh, I think it was like in 89, but I you know, couldn't be sure. Do you remember when it was at all in relation to Dan and Linda Broderick getting married? I don't remember there being any, you know, connection or any, you know, reason that the two events were related. Did she, how was it that she told you she bought the gun? How did that come up? Uh, one day, you know, she mentioned something to me about that uh, she and the boys were going to, uh, you know, go and shoot this gun and, you know, did I want to go? And I was busy that day and, you know, uh, said no, you know, I couldn't go. So this was sometime after she had bought the gun, she had indicated to you that she was going to go shooting with the gun? Yes. And, and was it your impression, or did you get an impression of where she was going shooting with the gun? Uh, as I recall, she, there was a uh, target range somewhere, and she was just going to go over there, uh, somewhere in San Diego. Did she indicate to you any reason for having bought the gun? Uh, there was no real reason, um, you know, to discuss it um, at all, and I didn't think anything unusual about it. Do you recall indicating that you felt she bought it, or that she indicated she bought it because it was a hobby and she liked to shoot? I don't recall, you know, specifically indicating that. I I'll just ask if you take a look at a uh, report that's identified as an investigative <coughs> report from the district attorney's office dated February 26, 1990. If you just take a look at the second paragraph there and read that to yourself. Okay. Does that refresh your recollection about what she had indicated to you was her reason for buying the gun? Okay, that's, yes. I it told the investigator uh, that uh, felt she did this essentially as a hobby because she liked to shoot for fun. And that was information that you had received from Elizabeth Bryant? Yes. Did she ever talk to you about being a, a marksman or an expert <coughs> shooter? Uh, not that I specifically recall. Where was it um, that she kept the gun? 
Uh, she kept it somewhere in the house. Um, I wasn't really sure exactly where. Uh, I never saw it. You never s actually saw the gun, is that correct? No, I never actually saw the gun until like the last trial. Right, okay. Um, w did you ever know her to carry the gun in her purse? Yes, I knew that, or know, you know, that she did have it in her purse. Did, prior to November of 19, prior to November 5th of 1989, did you ever know Elizabeth Roger to carry the gun in her purse? Uh, prior to that, uh, no, I don't recall that, you know, I knew that. And I take it, you, you spent a fair amount of time with her. She often would have her purse with her when you spent yes. time with her. Yes. And to your knowledge, she never carried the gun in her purse prior to that time? Uh, I don't recall. You know, I don't go through her purse. You know, I mean, you know, may have been there, may not have. I have no further questions at this time. Thank you. Cross down. Mr. Wright, you've indicated that you were aware of one time where she had the, uh, gun in the car when you went on a trip, weren't you? Uh, yes, I, that's true. Okay. And that was where she thought it was in her purse and left it in your car? Yes. Okay. The, um, during the, um, when you went over in, in, you had a conversation with the police officer that day, is that correct? Yes, I did. Okay, and I take it that when you first talked to Diane Black, you were asleep, is that correct? When yes. When you first, you were asleep and you were woken up. That's correct. Okay, and um, you didn't write down the conversation you had with Diane Black, is that correct? No, I did not write it down. <coughs> okay, and there, were <coughs> there was something that you remember in the conversation about uh, the gun being shot at Dan and Linda's house? Yes. Okay. You then went to Dan and Linda's house eventually, is that correct? Yes, I did. And, and you saw that they were, would appear to you that they were shot and they were in their bed, is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, did you know at the time that you went over there that in fact they were shot? Uh, no, I had, you know, I knew that shots had been fired. Um, you know, I, I didn't know until I got there that that had actually occurred. Okay. Now, when um, uh, when you went over to, did you have trouble finding the house? Or did no, we were able to drive right to it. Okay. Did Brian give you directions, or when you were driving, you were able to find your way? Uh, I was able to find my way right to the house. Okay. Now, the when you went into the house, um, did you did you and Brian go in together? Yes, we did. Okay. And then, what did you do? Did you go upstairs? Uh, yes, we went upstairs. Uh, we, when we entered the house, we made noises because uh, the, uh, you know, we thought they might be up, uh, and we didn't want to scare them early on a Sunday morning. So we went upstairs to see if they were in bed asleep, and that's when we found them. Okay. Did you uh, did you at all uh, did you go down and call an ambulance? Uh, yes. Uh, I told Brian that I would go to call an ambulance, and just about that time the police had arrived. And okay, where were you when the police arrived? Uh, I had gone down the staircase uh, 
out the front door of the house and there was a police officer that was uh, walking up on the front lawn. And did Brian come down with you, if you remember, or you know? Uh, Brian came down, you know, a moment behind me uh, and directed the police officer up to the bedroom where they were. Okay, now did you go back upstairs? I did not, know. Now, you indicated that um, during the uh, period of time uh, in the summer, um, the summer in that fall of uh, 1989, that there was nothing unusual about uh, Elizabeth Broderick. Is that correct that you can remember? Uh, not, you know, from my point of view, no. Okay. Now, the relationship you had with Elizabeth Broderick was one where you pretty much had your separate life, is that correct? Yes, it is. Okay. And when she was somebody, when she was in a, have you ever seen her in a mood where she appeared to be depressed or crying? Yes, I've seen her that way. Okay. Is it something where she talks to you, likes you to be around, likes to be alone? I know she would not talk to me about, I know she was uh, going through a horrible divorce and you know, she chose not to share a lot of the details of that. Now I take it that in, um, there was also some uh, fear or some worry about Elizabeth Broderick of whether she was suicidal that day, uh, November 5th? Yes, that's been brought up. Okay. And was it brought up, was that there that morning? Some question of whether she might do harm to herself? Yes, uh, uh, as I recall from that conversation, uh, that Diane had said to me something that you know Betty had said to her um, that that was a possibility. Okay. Now, when you would um, uh, so at the time that you were at Brian Forbes' house, um, you knew that that at least Stan and Linda were dead. Is that correct? Yes, both Brian and I knew that they were dead. And you knew that um, um, Elizabeth had not turned herself in yet. Or at least you didn't know. I had no idea where she was. Okay. And so at that point in time, um, you had a sailing engagement that you went on. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. And that would be something that she would expect you to do. She um, knew I was doing that. Okay. So she wouldn't. You wouldn't think she'd be looking for you. No. Uh, she had no reason to look for me. She knew that I was going to be getting up in the morning, and. Uh, you know, going to be going I, this events every year, and she knew that uh, I was going to be going on it Sunday, and I did. Okay. Now, when you say that there's nothing unusual about Elizabeth Broderick, sometimes she would be upset about things that were going on in court, um, or in regards to child custody. Is that correct? Um, could you rephrase that? Sometimes, if she would be going to court, or if she would be getting some legal mail, she would be upset. Is that correct? Yes. Very true. Now, are you saying that she was just never upset during this period of time, or there was nothing unusual from what was normally going on? Uh, I know that she was uh, trying to get custody of the boys for the school year for that fall, okay. and you know, I've been very upset that that was a matter that was unresolved when the school year began. Uh, now, the the trip to Alcapoco uh, <coughs> that you took in 1989. That was some, somewhat unusual for a trip with you and Elizabeth Broderick, wasn't it? Uh, unusual in what regards? Um, that was Elizabeth Broderick's um, 
uh, her visitation schedule had gotten switched so that um, that it, it had been switched in court so that that was the weekend the only weekend in October at least at the end of October where she was going to see the boys right? Do you have knowledge of whether that was supposed to be a weekend where she saw the boys? Yes. Okay. And before, when you had trips planned with Elizabeth Broderick, um, and it would pop up that it was a, did you normally have a hard time getting her to go on trips? Uh, yes, she liked to stay at home uh, in case the boys were going to come to visit, and she never knew if they were coming or not. Okay. So it was hard to get her to go somewhere? Yes. And were there times when you would uh, make some plans for a trip and then uh, she would get some visitation at the last minute? Yes, that did happen. And what would she normally do? She'd stay home with the boys. Okay. Now, had this trip to Alcapoca, was it a long-term long trip, one that had been made a long yes, time? Yes, we had planned in advance and she did not anticipate having the boys that weekend. Okay. And were you insistent that she not, that she at least go through with those plans because of the group of people you were with? Uh, yes, because she had, you know, promised me it that, you know, I will go on this and everything, reason. you know, should be all right. Like, it, uh, it, it had the she, so, uh, selection, but there was, was no place to like. that she was missing the weekend at <laughs> yeah. that time because uh, the commitment she made to you? Uh, yeah, she was very upset that, you know, the boys were supposed to come and she was supposed to, you know, these things got juggled around all the time and, it, you know, it's almost as though if someone knew that she was supposed to be somewhere, why then the boys would be coming. The, um, now, I take it you know the sound of the Suburban? Yes, I do. Okay. And in the early morning hours when the Suburban started uh, that morning, uh, you didn't think it was Danny and Brad, did you? No, no, they're very young and they don't have driver's license. Okay. So, uh, I take it that you just rolled and rolled over and went back to sleep because it wasn't unusual to hear uh, Elizabeth Broderick leave in the morning with the car. Yes, that's correct. She's done that. <laughs> that was Elizabeth Broderick moving uh, her residence during that period of time? Yes, she was. Okay. And when she, uh, the house that you ran on, Cali de Cieo, was she moving to a, a different, to a condo in uh, Yes, she was. Uh, I can share my the process screen. of taking things from one place to another? Yes, she was. Can you share? Yeah, I'm here. Were you aware of a uh, of uh, yeah, yeah, sure, I can of, do, can uh, do Linda uh, Coquina breaking in? Am I still muted? Can you hear me now? I can hear you. The, okay. Um, uh, yeah, I'd, I I wouldn't mind sharing my, my screen. about Elizabeth Broderick, sometimes she would be upset about things that were going on in court um, or in regards to child custody, is that correct? Uh, could you rephrase that? Sometimes, if she would be going to court or if she would be getting some legal mail, she would be upset, is that correct? Yes, it's very true. Now, are you saying that she was just never upset during this period of time or there was nothing unusual from what was normally going on? 
I know that she was uh, trying to get custody of the boys for the school year for that fall. And you know, I've been very upset that that was a matter that was unresolved when the school year began. Uh, now, the, the trip to Alcapoco uh, <coughs> that you took in 1989, that was some, somewhat unusual for a trip with you and Elizabeth Broderick, wasn't it? Uh, unusual in what regard? Um, that was Elizabeth Broderick's, um, uh, her visitation schedule had gotten switched so that um, that it had been switched in court so that that was the weekend, the only weekend in October, at least at the end of October, where she was going to see the boys, right? Objection unless this witness knows. Sustained. That's what he has knowledge of that. Okay. Do you have knowledge of whether that was supposed to be a weekend where she saw the boys? Yes. Okay. And before, when you had trips planned with Elizabeth Broderick, um, and it would pop up that it was a did you normally have a hard time getting her to go on trips? Uh, yes, she liked to stay at home uh, in case the boys were going to come to visit. And she never knew if they were coming or not. Okay, so it was hard to get her to go somewhere? Yes. And were there times when you would uh, make some plans for a trip and then uh, she would get some visitation at the last minute? Yes, that did happen. And what would she normally do? She'd stay home with the boys. Now, had this trip to Alcapoca, was it a long time? Was it a long-term trip? One that had been made a long yes, time. Yes, we had planned in advance, and she did not anticipate having the boys that weekend. Okay. And were you insistent that she not that she at least go through with those plans because of the group of people you were with? Uh, yes, because she had you know promised me that you know I will go on this and that everything you know should be all right. Uh, was she? Uh, was she somewhat upset that she was missing the weekend at that time because uh, the commitment she made to you? Uh, yeah, she was very upset that, you know, the boys were supposed to come and she was supposed to, you know, these things got juggled around all the time. And, it, you know, it's almost as though if someone knew that she was supposed to be somewhere, why then the boys would be coming. The, um, now, I take it you know the sound of the Suburban. Yes, I do. Okay. And in the early morning hours when the Suburban started uh, that morning, uh, you didn't think it was Andy and Brad, did you? No, no, they're very young and they don't have driver's license. Okay. So uh, I take it that you just rolled, and rolled over and went back to sleep because it wasn't unusual to hear uh, Elizabeth Broderick leave in the morning with the car. Yes, that's correct. She's done that. <laughs> Was Elizabeth Broderick moving uh, her residence during that period of time? Yes, she was. Okay. And would she be, uh, the house that you were in on Cali de Cieo, was she moving to a, a different, to a condo in Morning yeah. Yes, she was. Was she in the process of taking things from one place to another? Yes, she was.
When Elizabeth Broderick first moved into the home on Cali de Sierra, what was the condition of it? Objection, Your In um, around April, March, April of 1989, had there been any uh, problems with prowlers in Elizabeth Rogers' neighborhood? Uh, yes, sir. Objection. Were you uh, were you aware? Were there just dis was there discussions in that household with Mrs. Broderick about problems with prowlers in her neighborhood in April of 1989? Yes. Had there been a uh, problem with uh, uh, stairs breaking down in her home? Uh, yes. Someone came in the middle of the night uh, and the staircase broke when they were. I think attempting to possibly break into the house. The um, did you know Elizabeth Broderick's uh, other two children, uh, uh, Kim and Lee? Yes. Okay. Uh, would you be present uh, over the years when Kim would talk to her mother? Objection beyond the scope. Same. Discussion with a friend of hers about buying a gun. Are you aware of whether or not that was a, a year or two before uh, the wedding of Dan and Linda? A discussion about, I'm not clear about what you're trying to ask. Well, you indicated that she had talked to a friend about buying a gun, right? Yes, correct. And who are you referring to? Uh, her name is Melanie Fuller. And were you aware that that discussion was long before April of 1989? I, I could have been. And you don't know whether she did buy a gun at that time? She could have. Uh, I don't believe she did, but I, I guess it's possible she could have. 
Are you indicating that she didn't share her feelings and emotions with you? She shared a lot of them. I don't know that she shared all of them with me. Uh, I thought on, on the on cross-examination you said something about that she wouldn't share her emotions or what was going on with them, with you. Sometimes she would, sometimes she wouldn't. Okay. She, I she, was referring to the, you know, the divorce proceedings and a lot of the you know, awful things that were going on in her life that she chose not to share with me. She chose to share a lot of it with you, though, didn't she? Yes, some of it. I wouldn't say a lot, but, you know, some of it. And for example, she told you that Dan Broderick sold Coral Reef out from underneath her and never paid her a cent, didn't she? Uh, I, at the, that particular day, yes. What do you mean at that particular day? At that particular day that she told you? No, I know the house was sold and she did not receive uh, the money until much later. Isn't it true that your understanding before these homicides in November from Elizabeth Broderick was that he had sold Coral Reef and never paid her any money out of it? That's what she told you, right? I don't recall her specifically telling me that at this you know, date. You don't recall telling an investigator that that was your understanding? I uh, know. You know, we're talking like two years ago. Um, you know, I may have said that. Did you know that the very Honor, next gonna, month? Your Honor, sure. I'm going to object to this. is beyond, beyond the scope of the rules. You brought up the sharing emotions thing. So okay. Proper. Isn't it true that you uh, told the investigator that Elizabeth Broderick? Just well, that's not how you do that. Let him read it. Well, I'm attempting to impeach him. Gets a chance to read it. Okay. Maybe we'll be not good page after we read The again, Your Honor, showing the investigative report dated February 26, 1990, referring to the second to the last paragraph. Uh, well, the statement I made was that he sold the house without her permission and then refused to pay her her share. You know, at the time you know, the sale was complete. Well, did you understand that the very next month, when the sale was completed, she received more than her share? She never told you that, did she? But you were saying she received $127,000 and he only received $47,000 the very next month when the money came in. Your Honor, that's an incorrect characterization. All you can look at the divorce proceedings to see that that's misstates the evidence. Well, the objection is overruled. Just rephrase the question without putting the amounts in that she would you ask your Did she ever tell you that the very next month when the money did was received for the sale of that house, that she did receive her money even more than her technical share? Uh, I don't recall you know, her telling me uh, you know, whether she did or she didn't and you know, lower the amount. Hasn't Elizabeth Broderick written letters to you from jail indicate thanking you for always being there to listen to her problems, allowing her to share yes, her problems? she has. And you indicated that you had some fear that she was suicidal that morning of November the 5th? Uh, that was what was relayed to me in the telephone conversation. I personally, uh, you know, that was relayed to me. I have relayed this to other people. Uh, I'm not saying those are my own feelings necessarily. Well, that morning, all you knew at that point was that Elizabeth Broderick had apparently said she had shot Dan and Linda, right. and Dan and Linda were dead, and 
you didn't have any concerns about where Elizabeth Broderick was or what she was up to that morning? I have no way of knowing, you know, yes, I was concerned, you know, where she might be or what she might be doing. Or whether she I might be trying to contact you? Uh, I didn't believe she had any reason to contact me uh, because she knew that I was going to be leaving the house and would be gone all day. Okay, so do you think that she was intending this before, the day before, to go kill Dan and Linda and she knew that, she, that you were going to be gone? So she didn't have any reason to contact you? Is that what you're saying? Argumentative sustained. You previously testified that you never saw Elizabeth Broderick in possession of a gun, correct? I never, you know, physically witnessed uh, the gun. No, until the last trial, I never saw it. Okay, and so what? Where? Where is, did this come from? About a gun in a car on a trip? Where did you hear that? Oh, it was. She said something to me about the gun, you know, being, uh, you know, she was going to leave it in the car or something. You know, I never saw it. When did she say this? Um, I don't know. Sometime we were going somewhere, and, uh, you know, she mentioned something to me about it. When? When were you going somewhere? Um, we we're going to leave the car at the airport or something, as I recall. And she mentioned something to me about it. And when was this, Mr. Rowe? Exactly, I don't know, you know, sometimes... Approximately. Uh, you know, I honestly can't remember. What year are you talking about? Uh, you know, I just don't remember, you know, when this happened. Well, well when, did, when did this recollection come to you about her saying to you that she had left a gun in your car? Um, you know, much later on. Much later on? Well, I mean, at, later on... Um, After you know, she killed Anna Linda Broderick? Yes. And uh, you were going on a trip and she told you she left the gun in your car, took her purse with her? Is that the scenario? Uh, as I recall, uh, you know, she had this big purse and uh, a lot of times she would, you know, put it under the seat or leave it in the car or, she didn't always take it with her. Okay, well, so how did the gun get in your car? What was, what was she carrying the gun for? Well, a lot of times um, when the boys would come over to her house, you know, she you know, didn't want them around it, and so she had this habit of putting it in her purse. How do you know that, Mr. Wright? She told me that. Okay, and did she tell you that after the murders of Dan Linda Broderick also? Um, I can't remember exactly when it was that, you know, I was told that. Did she have a license to carry a concealed weapon? Not to my knowledge. But your, your understanding was that she was carrying this gun around in her purse and leaving it in cars? On that one occasion. The uh, weekend that you went to Acapulco, were you aware of the fact that that never was Elizabeth Broderick's weekend. That had never been her weekend. Objection. Uh, Safety evidence. Uh, Overruled. Did you know that or didn't you? Uh, my understanding was that that was, you know, to be a weekend the boys were going to come. 
Well, the next weekend she had the boys, right? Didn't they switch every other weekend? Not necessarily, no. Were you aware then at all of the, of the visitation schedule and whether or not that weekend when you went to Acapulco was her, res, her regularly designated weekend? Uh, I believe that you know that was supposed to be her, uh, no, that was a weekend that she was not supposed to have the boys and that's why we were going. Okay, so she wasn't supposed to have the boys and so you went to Acapulco, so I'm what sorry. was the problem? I got, no, they, see the visitation got switched around all the time. And my recollection of what happened was that, you know, that weekend she wasn't supposed to have the boys and then you know, a week or two ahead, when we were supposed to go, why, then she was supposed to. Okay, but I mean, the it weekend, ended up being a conflict. The weekend that you went to Acapulco, she wasn't supposed to have the boys, right? And that's why you set the trip up for Acapulco? Right. And you went to Acapulco? Right. And she didn't have the boys? And the next weekend she did, right? Right, she did have, but the visitation was not always, you know, followed to the T. Okay, but there wasn't any problem with the trip to Acapulco, was there? Well, as I recall, the boys were then supposed to come, you know, that weekend we went to Acapulco. I mean, they were and then they weren't, I and mean, this thing went back and forth. Were you aware that uh, her attorney went into court on September the 22nd and, and they stipulated as to what weekends they were going to have? Uh, there was some arrangement. It's, in the past, they were working on these arrangements. And the problem is, is even though they worked something out, they weren't always followed. Okay. That's, you don't know what was going on in court. Is that correct? From your own That's, personal knowledge? Yes. Correct. And you don't know what the attorney said, agreed to or stipulated to, or, or whether Elizabeth Bryderton agreed to it herself, correct? No, I did not ever attend any of the court and sessions. were you aware that if there was a switch of weekends, it was simply a switch? It was a trade-off switch. It wasn't as though a weekend was being taken away from them. Correct? Oh, that could have been. And there was a set visitation schedule, at least uh, a firm court order as of January of 1989, correct? Uh, I believe that there was. That doesn't necessarily mean that it was adhered to. Okay. And it wasn't necessarily adhered to to the extent that Elizabeth Broderick got significantly more visitation than she was technically required to in the order, too, right? She could have. Okay. Didn't she have them for a significant period of time in August? In the summer, yes, she did. And you indicated, or did you indicate that she wouldn't share her feelings or show her feelings in front of the children? No, not in front of the children, in front of me. Okay. But you've seen, her, you've seen her express her feelings in front of the children? Yes, I have. And you've seen her express her feelings about their, their dad and Linda? Broderick, correct? Yes, I am. And you've heard her threaten to kill their dad and Linda Broderick in front of the boys? I wouldn't say that I necessarily witnessed that. You never testified previously I, that you had heard her threaten to kill Dan and Linda Broderick in front of them? Uh, not, I believe I've made the statement in the past that, you know, I've heard her say that, you know, she was so angry, you know, that I could just kill him. Directing court and counsel's attention to page 585 of the transcript of the last hearing. If you would take a look at that page, lines 5 through 7. Is this from the program? From the trial. From the trial. Okay, the last time I testified that I had heard that. 
You were asked the question, have you heard her threaten to kill Dan and Linda in front of her children? And you answered, yes, I have. further questions at this point. Mr. Wright, the uh, times that um, that you would hear her express her anger towards Dan and Linda, was that the was that every time? Was that occasionally? Uh, um, usually when she spoke of them she was upset about something. Uh, Okay, but when the boys were around, was this every all the time that she was talking? Oh uh, no, when, when the when the boys were around and I was present, um, you know, generally everything uh, you know was happy, and uh, there was no reason for her to continually be upset like the entire time that both myself and they were around. And um, the. Do you know whether uh, weekends got switched uh, so that Mr. Broderick could take uh, the boys out of town in October and at the last minute whether Mrs. Broderick's weekend was switched at a time that she had already planned out uh, Acapulco? Yes, switching around like that did occur. Okay. Do you know whether, do you, do you have knowledge of what occurred on that weekend? Whether there was, what kind, when the switch was, if there was one? My, you know, exact recollection of precisely what happened, you know, I, I can't exactly remember now. Um, but it's, I said a little earlier, I, you know, believe that. Um, Objection, Your Honor. Belief is not based on personal knowledge. Did you answer the question? And um, <coughs> Mrs. Uh, Roderick uh, told you about the gun being in the purse. What? at the time of the trip, isn't that correct? Yes, as I recall. Okay. And it was sometime, there was some discussion about the gun being in the purse at other times. You're not sure when that discussion was? Yes, that's correct. I have to see it. I don't recall the date. Your Honor, may I have a 
Well, maybe I should have marked as people So, yes. Were you covering the case essentially at that time? Yes. And had you had some conversations with Elizabeth Broderick in relation to writing articles about the case? Uh, I'd like to speak to my attorney if I could. Certainly. Says in the article that I interviewed her. Yes. Okay. You're you're a you're a reporter and you have some concerns about the a newspaper's privilege. Is that correct? Right. Is that why you're talking to your attorney? Yes. It's not because you feel personally you have anything to hide. No. Okay. Um, were you aware uh, at the preliminary? Did you go to the preliminary hearing? Uh, yes, I covered it. And were you aware at the preliminary hearing that Kim Broderick testified as to the loss of her keys? Yes. And as sometime after that, you indicated you had an interview with Elizabeth Broderick. Did she tell you anything about where she'd gotten those keys? Uh, I'd like to refer to the story if I could. Yes, she did. What did she, what did she tell you? told me that she, her maid had found a key ring with keys on it um, behind a chair in her house. And she was referring to the keys that Kim brought her to uh, Well, according to testimony in the preliminary hearing, they were Kim's keys. Was she referring to the keys that she used to get in the house? She was referring to the keys she used to get in the house. I don't think that she told me whose keys they were. And she had just indicated that a maid had found the keys behind a chair in the house. Is that correct? Right. I have no further questions. Cross-examine. Um, you were the one. You originally contacted Mrs. Broderick. Uh, you wrote her a letter asking her to speak to you. Yes. I. <coughs> I have nothing further. Redirect. No review. Witness be excused. Subject to review. Thank you very much, Ms. Wallace. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we'll take our afternoon recess at this time. Please remember the admonition not to discuss the case among yourselves, nor allow anyone else to discuss it with you, nor form any opinions until it's finally submitted to you. Have a nice evening. Hey, ma'am, can you please say your full name for the record and spell your last name? Helen Picard, P-I-C-K-A-R-D. Thank you. Good morning, Ms. Picard. Good morning. How are you? Uh, can you tell us, do you know the defendant in this case, Elizabeth Broderick? Yes, I do. How is it that you know her? Uh, I've known her for about 14 years. Um, we had our children in, in the same school years ago. Um, uh, known her socially and in a lot of situations. And um, when, when was it that you first met her, approximately? Um, 1977. And was that while she was living on Coral Reef? Yes. And at the time, married to Dan Broderick. Yes. Um, did you did you get to know Dan Broderick as well? Yes. Okay. Can you can you describe when you indicated that you you knew her socially? How was it that that you knew the Brodericks? Um, we were all kind of in the same age group and, and had Betty had many Christmas parties and, and Easter parties and and dinner parties and I would have them and back and forth socially in that aspect. Okay. And were you married at the time? Yes, I was. Um, and would you and your husband often visit at the Broderick House? Mm -hmm. Yes. And vice versa? Right. Did, um, did you have the opportunity to see the children interacting with their father, for example? Yes. And how would you describe what you observed about their interaction with him? Um, Dan was a, a, a very, seemed to be a very protective father. He was very interested in their activities and their academic life. I went to parents' nights with him at Stella Mars when the, Lee and Kim were there and my daughter Beth. Um, uh, he was, um, I remember him on Saturday mornings and the kids playing in the yard while he mowed the yard. Uh, I saw nothing in, out of ordinary. I thought they were, he was, uh, in my estimation, a good father. Did, um, did the children ever appear to be afraid of him? No, never. Um, when you um, socialized with the Brodericks during that period of time, early on, did Elizabeth Broderick ever talk about Dan Broderick in front of you or in front of other people? Yes. Okay. Can you describe how she would talk about Mr. Broderick? Um, when it came to Dan's professional life, Betty spoke very highly of Dan. When it came to him as a person, she did not speak very highly of him. And she said embarrassing things. And it was on time, so it was uncomfortable at dinner parties when she would refer to him. And, and um, it just seemed to be uh, Betty. And it just seemed to be that was their standard way in which she talked about him. When you say she would say things that made other people feel uncomfortable, can you give an example? Um, she used to have a, a funny expression where she said he couldn't pass a mirror, which meant he was conceited. Um, she used to call him a, a derogatory term that was rather offensive. She used to call him a fag on a regular basis, and, and it was offensive to me. And I remember calling her on it and saying, stop this. And she said, oh, it doesn't bother him. And it just continued on, and he just kind of lived with it. Did, um, how, how would you describe Elizabeth Broderick's personality? Um, Betty is probably one of the most kind of charismatic people I know. She's probably one of the most intelligent women I know. Her capabilities are, I don't think there's anything that she couldn't accomplish in, in a career world or, or anything. She was uh, 
an excellent hostess. She was a fabulous cook. Um, she had a rapport with people where she uh, was very warm. Um, I, I think that she had a, a sense of, of caring about other people. Um, was she, did she appear to have a, a strong personality or was oh, yes. she? Yeah, she was a very strong, dominant person. Yeah, she was much more dominant than Dan. She definitely was in charge. Did she ever appear to be afraid of Dan? No, never. Were you aware of the fact that at, at some point that they separated, the marriage broke up? Yes. Okay. And at some point, the Broderick children were living with Dan Broderick? Yes. Do you recall, did Elizabeth Broderick ever tell you why it was that the children were over there? Um, I remember a conversation with her. Uh, they left Coral Reef because of this split in the cement um, foundation, and so they were living in a rented house. And I think that Dan had left by that time. And uh, her strong statement to me that I can recall is, um, if I can't be Mrs. Dan Broderick, then he can have the kids. And that seemed to be the way it was going, and it seemed to be her decision. Did she ever say anything to you that she had to take the kids over there because of the rats? Rats? Take the kids where? Over to Dan Broderick's house because of problems with rats. What, what, do you re who, what house are you referring to as Dan Broderick's house? The, uh, the Coral, Coral house? No, I mean, we, we all have rats in La Jolla. If you have ivy around your house, you have rats. It's a, it's a real problem of roof rats, and I don't think that rats had anything to do with her, her um, having the kids live somewhere else. Or did she ever express that anyway to you? Did she ever no, say that? never. Was there a period of time after the, the Brodericks separated that you went through your own divorce? Yes. Yes, I did. And was there a period of time there then that you didn't have as much contact with Elizabeth? Right, Brown? about three or four years I was involved with my own life and, and building up my business and my marriage was kind of deteriorating and I was getting on, I have three children also and um, so I, I would hear things but I was not in any contact with her for a couple of years. And then was there a period of time when you got back into contact with her? Mm -hmm. It was about in 88. And did you start seeing her then and talking to her on a fairly regular basis? Yes. Now this was at a point where she was obviously already divorced from Dan Broderick, is that correct? She was divorced from Dan, but there wasn't a financial settlement because it was maybe spring or fall of 88, which I don't think it happened until later. Okay. But she was, they were living separate and apart. And oh yes, had been for quite a while, a couple years. During that period of time when you started seeing her again, and did you did you do things with her as well during that time? Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. We went to lunch, and I would stop by and see her. I, I get up early in the morning like she does, and um, I would drop by on my way back from some of my jobs and um, have did, coffee with her. Did she ever talk to you about the divorce situation? Yes, all the time. Okay. Did she ever talk to you about her feelings for Dan and Linda? Yes, continuously. How, how would you describe how she felt about Dan and Linda? Well, she hated them, both of them. Well, I mean, she did not speak highly of them. I mean, there was nothing positive that I could possibly say that she said about them. Was, 
you've you've been through a divorce yourself. I take it you've known other people who have been through a divorce. Yes, many people. Okay. Um, was, was there anything different about the degree of, of her hate that that you noticed? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to object and calls for conclusion speculation. Sustain. How would you how would you de describe? the nature or quality of her hate. When you say she hated him, if you had to rank it on a scale of one to ten. No, I'm going to object. It's still called conclusion speculation. Overall, that's an opinion a lay witness can draw. Go ahead. On a scale of what? Scale of one to ten, I'm just using that as an example. How would you? Oh, she's obviously over ten, ten plus plus. I mean, there was no, I, there was no doubt in my mind she really hated them. Did she, was it, did she talk about them just occasionally or no, often? Continuously, to anybody. Okay, what do you mean by that, to anybody? <clears throat> On one occasion, I had a party at the beach club, and I invited her, and I had some family friends in my family and different people, and I, I just kind of begged her, just keep her mouth shut. I mean, for God's sake, just don't talk about this divorce, which of these people don't, aren't into this, and, and, and she would. She'd find some poor old lady that was sitting there and sat next to her and told her the whole thing. And that was a continuous problem with Betty. We just couldn't seem to get her to, to let go of the whole thing and get on with it, and, or just keep it to herself, because it was getting very old. And we were really, rude. everybody's very sick of it. Was there, did you, did you talk to her about moving on with her life and putting it behind? Absolutely, all the time. What was her response? She didn't hear you. She heard me once, I think, because I wouldn't let her interrupt me. I told her that she had to stop. She was losing friends, and she was becoming boring, that no one really cared. And it was time. And she could do anything she wanted to do in life. And it was time to redirect, refocus. Where did, did you get the feeling that she ever would redirect or refocus? I thought she would. Okay. I really did. So you were optimistic about that? Is Very that optimistic. Okay. Did she ever actually do that? No. What, um, what, kind of, um, what kind of language did she use when she would talk about Dan or Linda? Um, she referred to them in vulgar terms. Was this with, with you as, as well as with other people? Yes, yes, with me and, and my children. I mean, it was, yeah, it was just part of Betty that, that by that time. Did you did you ever ask her not to do that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, and, and stop calling that and redirect her off subjects or redirect her out of a situation where there were younger kids or it, it was just got to be the point where it was so rampant it just didn't it didn't hear it anymore. Did you you indicated that you, you talked to her about the fact that she was she was losing friends, people were getting tired of hearing this. Did um, did she lose you as a friend or did you continue to be a friend? Well, no, I don't think she lost me as a friend. Um, I think it was one of the last of them. <laughs> you know, uh, people were just just didn't want to be around her. I, I remember in '89 asking another friend if they would invite her to the Jewel Ball because I thought that would be yeah, fun. I'm going to object. All the hearsay. Well, overall, personal knowledge. She asked somebody to invite her. Go ahead, you can answer that. I asked another friend also if she'd invite her to sit at the Jewel Ball table, and she said no. We couldn't stand it. We couldn't take it. Your Honor, that, that's what hearsay is when you bring that with someone that else part, says. That part is strict. That's what the other person said. The part that she asked somebody else to invite her to the Jewel Ball stands. Go ahead, ask another question. Did, um, 
when you talked with Elizabeth Broderick, did she ever take um, responsibility for the, the success that Dan had achieved? Yes. Okay. Can you describe? She made him what he was, okay. professionally. And is this, this is what she related to you? She always did, for years. Can you elaborate a little bit? Well, she dressed him. <laughs> she picked out his clothes. She did. I remember when he changed from Gay Carey to his own firm. She did all the furniture selection and she, beautiful things. She had excellent taste. She had uh, a, a tremendous talent. She had an interior decorating license. She had a real estate license. Um, she was an extremely capable woman. I don't know of anybody else that is talented and gifted as Betty Broder. Your Honor, if maybe we could direct a, the witness to answer the question. She answered the question. If you want to object once she's that the answer is too long, object at that point. Your Honor, I, I would object. Your Honor, it's, if there's going to be a speaking no, objection. No speaking objection. Ask another question. Go ahead. Did, um, did you have the occasion to see Elizabeth Broderick interact with her children? Yes. And uh, did you ever observe her saying things about their father and Linda in front of them? She always referred Objection, to- Objection, Your Honor, responsive. Sustained. Did you ever see him, yes or no? I'm sorry, would you repeat it? I'm confused. I, I guess I am a little bit too. What is um, could I? What does non-responsive mean? You started to answer a question that wasn't asked. Okay. Um, <coughs> did you ever hear Elizabeth Broderick talk about the children's father and Linda in front of them? Yes. Can you describe how she would talk about them in front of the children? In the same terms in which she always referred to them, the same vulgar terms. Okay. And was this in, this in front of Danny and Rhett? Yes. Did, um, was that something, again, was that occasional or was it often or? All the time. All the time. Did uh, you ever talk to her about not doing that? Yes. About not talking um, poorly about Toning their it down. Did what was her response? She just kind of shrugged her shoulders. So that's what they are. Okay. When you say that's what she said, that's what they are. She's referring to the words that she used. Yes. Okay. So it was okay to call them that. Right. Did you see the reaction of the boys, for example, when she would? say things like that? Yes. And how would you describe that? I think they'd been pretty used to it by then. I mean... So you're talking about in Did she ever tell you how she felt about the house on Coral Reef? Yes. What was her feeling about that house? Well, when they moved out of it to the rental house, I know she didn't want to move back. 
uh, she felt Coral Reef was a track house and that they were doing very well financially and she wanted to live in something that was more suited to their financial background or their had, income. Had they been looking for other houses? Oh, for years. Okay. So was there, did there appear to be any emotional attachment that she had to the house on Coral Reef? No, I, I would not say so. No, she was ready to leave Coral Reef. Did, were you, oh, did she ever talk to you about um, the fact that she had been in jail after a, um, after being arrested or after a contempt hearing? Yes. And did she describe what her attitude was about being in jail? I don't think jail was, was very traumatic, so I don't remember being concerned about her stays in jail. How, how did she describe it? Well, she'd just gone to jail. Spent three days, five days. It just wasn't, it was just like, it, it was not a. It was not a problem. It wasn't something that was that she expressed to you. Was it? Was it anything that she expressed to you as being tremendously uh, distressing? Leading. Reaction sustained. Do you rec recall her using any particular words to describe jail? No. Um, I don't know whether she described it or whether, no, she did describe it. Kind of related it to being summer camp. You know, like sixth grade summer camp sort of thing, you know, away from everybody, away from everything. <clears throat> That's what I had the impression that she, that it was not a problem. You indicated that you felt that um, Elizabeth Broderick was very intelligent. Did she appear to have a, a knowledge of the legal system? Yes. And what makes you say that? Well, um, just her vocabulary of understanding all the procedures that went along with um, her divorce and her custody. And she taught me what they all meant. I always had to ask her. So she explained it, what different words meant. And um, she was very good. I mean, I. Was she, was, she, um, was she represented by uh, an attorney named Walter Mond at one point? Yes. And were you aware of whether or not she uh, reworked or rewrote any of his briefs? Oh, yeah, she did. Yeah. And she was good. She was better. She was. By the time that you um, started seeing some more of her in, in 1988, what was the, the state of the Calle de Cielo house? How would you describe that house that she was living in? Beautiful. She, excellent. I mean, it was gorgeous. Okay, was it was it furnished at that time? Oh yes, it was fully furnished and uh, had a swimming pool and a rec room that she had just built or had built a while back, and it was beautiful. Excellent. She beautifully well taken care of. Now, uh, sometime in um, January of 1989. Uh, did you become aware that the divorce judgment became final? Yes, the financial part, yeah. And did, um, did she talk to you shortly after the judgment? Yes. What was her attitude about that? She was very unhappy. It was, wasn't enough. What was, what was she unhappy about in particular? The financial settlement. Uh, was she angry about it? Very much so. Did, uh, did she tell you how much she got, what her 
monthly payment was, for example? In the beginning, she didn't. I think I'd asked her and she didn't tell me. But then several months later, she was kind of ranting on about something and she mentioned it, okay. what she was getting. So at, at that point, she mentioned that she was getting the $16,000 a month? Right, correct. But earlier when you had asked her? Right afterwards, after the hearing, she didn't tell me. Was she, uh, at that point after January of 1989, when the judgment became final, did she appear to be upset about the, the children or the custody situation? No, that, that wasn't part of the January hearing at all. It wasn't an, that wasn't an issue. As far as, as far as what she was telling you, it wasn't an issue with her? No, it was not part of, no, she was not concerned about the children at all at that point. What can you, can you describe uh, Elizabeth Broderick's general uh, attitude about money? Yes, it was very important to her. Money was a, a very strong focus, the focus. And why do you say that? What makes you say that? What? Well, she always talked about how she didn't have any, and that all she was getting was sixteen thousand, and it was a uh, um, it was a real years ago. I mean, it was always what things cost and how much it cost. And so Betty was was very materialistic. She, but that was Betty. I mean, she always was. Was um, was she complaining that you indicated that she was complaining she didn't have any money that she was broke? She went through times when she, yes she was always complaining that she couldn't make ends meet and um, I think her house payment was about five thousand a month and you know and she didn't have much left after that and and yeah it was an ongoing thing with paying her bills and her charge cards and different things like that. Did she um, did she appear to be? Spending money at the same time that she was complaining that she didn't have any. Yes, all the time. That's why you didn't really take it too seriously. And and what what do you mean? I mean, what was she spending money on? Well, she she'd spend on spend money on things that made her felt better, feel better, you know, jewelry, uh, very very nice clothes. She had a lot of nice clothes, and um, she would buy two or three outfits at a time, you know, and she just always dressed nicely. And that was real important to her, her appearance. Would, um, did, she, did she have clothes that, for example, would be in the closet for a period of time with the tags mm -hmm. on? Yes, she had a lot of clothes with tags still on. and Something she'd order through catalogs or Nordstrom's or Neiman Marcus is where I remember she thinks, she, I think she went the most. <clears throat> did, um, did you become aware of the fact that Dan and Linda Broderick were going to be married in April? Yes. Okay. And did you actually spend their wedding day with Elizabeth Broderick? Yes, I did. Why was it that you spent the day with her? Well, uh, previous to that, uh, maybe a month or two, Betty had um, gone into Dan and Linda's house and taken the wedding list. Your Honor, objection. All speculation, hearsay. Overruled. This is foundation as to why she spent the day with her. Go ahead. Did um, I saw the list? She showed me the list. Okay, that was my next question. Did, how did you know that she had taken the she wedding? She showed list? it to me. She called me up and told me she had done it, but she said she told me a different story than what really happened. Well, what do you mean by that? She told me it was on the front steps of Dan's house to be picked up by a calligrapher, and she'd taken it and made a copy of it and put the original back. 
And why do you say that she told you a different, did she tell you a different story later? Yeah, later. What did she tell you? She kind of said something about being in the house and I said, well, wait a minute, you told me that you made a copy of it that they don't, because I did not know this was the original. You told me you made a copy of it and she just kind of just, well, that was when I knew she lied to me. Did, um, did she actually show you the list? Yes. Okay. And so I think you, you were starting to explain that she had taken the wedding yes. list. She had taken the wedding list and she was calling people who were also friends of mine and telling them that they were going to the wedding and they hadn't received invitations yet. And there was tremendous got objection unless this is personal knowledge sustained. I believe, Your Honor, she's attempting to explain why it was that she spent the day with Mr. Frederick. But does she have personal knowledge that the defendant called Gist and saying they hadn't got an invitation yet? That's what he's objecting to. Okay. How, how did, did you, you repeat that? How did you know? The lawyer repeated. How did you know that? That she had called people on the list and told because them? they would call me. Okay. Your Honor, objection. A motion to strike. It's your say. Part that the people called her is not hearsay. The first part is stricken. That part can stand. Go ahead. So, people, people called you and told you that they'd gotten calls from Elizabeth Broderick. Um, what? Your Honor, objection. That's asked and answered. It's hearsay. It's just repeating. That part is crystal as to why she spent the day with Elizabeth Broderick. Go ahead. What were there any other reasons that? that you spent the day with Elizabeth Broderick on the wedding day? Yes. I would object. We have the answer. She hasn't been able to finish the answer. Go ahead. Were there any other reasons, Mr. Clark? Yes, there was. Go ahead, please. Tell you? Um, Friday before the wedding, Betty called me very early in the morning and said she was going to buy a watch. It was a very expensive... I'm sorry. She said that she was going to buy a... Very early in the morning, said that she was going to buy a watch. Right. Thank you. And it was an expensive designer watch, and she was going to have Dan's wedding date engraved on it. And that concerned me very much. Why did it concern you? Because it was not normal. Who cares? And so what did you, what, what did you do? I decided to call her up later and ask her to go to Palm Springs with me. Okay. For, for on the date of the wedding? Yes, okay. that day, that afternoon, Friday afternoon, and to spend the weekend out of town. Okay, and what was her response? No, she did not want to go. Um, did, so, you, did you, okay, what did you do next? So then I said, well, I'll come over. I did not have my children that weekend, and I was going to spend the Friday, Saturday and Sunday with her. Why did you want to spend the day with her? I thought it would be a very tough day for her. I also didn't want her to do anything that she would regret. Did you spend the full day, the full wedding day with yes. her? Yes. Okay. And did you set up any particular system with anybody who was at the wedding? Right. Uh, yes, I did. Can you describe that? Um, I had used a beeper through my work, and I had another beeper, and I gave a, a, the other beeper to someone else who I knew was going to the wedding, and um, if Betty 
who really is her own person, was going to go there. She was going to go there, and I was going to beep her and say, hey, she's on. She's not with me. So you, were you concerned about the fact that she might go over to the wedding and do something? Oh, very much so. Okay. Did um, Elizabeth Broderick ever tell you of any instances where she had gone into Dan and Linda's home? Yes. Can you describe those instances that she told you about? The one that I remember the most is when they were in Greece, and it was in um, September of 89. What did she say about going into their house? that she had been to the house and had gone in it, and she described it to me, and was reflecting on the fact that it was her taste, that the house was decorated in her taste. Okay. Did she, did she indicate that she had gone through the house, through the rooms? Yes. Okay. And was simply commenting on the decorating of the house? Yes. Was she... Can you describe her demeanor? Was she angry about it or what? She was frustrated by that. <clears throat> and, and what makes you say that? Because it was her taste. And I, I'm not sure that I'm following. Why, why did that frustrate her that the decoration was in her taste? Did she say? I think it would have been it would have been what she would have decorated that house to be, and the colors and the tartan plaids and the leather and okay. the traditional, and it was her taste. Okay. Um, this was um, sometime while Dan and Linda were in Greece in September. Do you know how it was that she got into the house? Did she describe that? I would just have to assume that she was bringing the boys back because that was when the most of the time she did go through the house. I would she, assume the boys, she was going back with the boys. She didn't tell you specifically? If she did, I don't recall. Did she, you also mentioned that she had told you about going into the house and getting the wedding list, is that correct? That's correct. Um, and that was sometime, obviously, a little bit earlier before the Much wedding. earlier. Did she tell you about taking anything else, taking something from the house when she did that? Yes. What was that? She took a t-shirt. What kind of t-shirt? It was a t-shirt that apparently Linda had made up previous to their wedding, and it was something about Cabo. She showed me the t-shirt, something like Cabo Chicks or something, and it was a pre-wedding bachelor party of a bunch of ladies who were going to Cabo, San Lucas, and they had t-shirts made, and that, she took that at the time as she took the wedding list. Okay. And did she describe for you where she had taken that t-shirt from? Did she say? It was inside the house, maybe on the interior of the dining room okay. on a table something like that. now sometime uh, a few weeks or so before dan and linda broderick were killed uh, did you have a conversation with elizabeth broderick about the fact that they had gone to notre dame yes can you describe what she was saying and, and how she was saying it <clears throat> she was very frustrated and upset that the notre dame trip had gone on as planned, as it always had for years. Um, she felt her children weren't being um, looked after well there. There was some problem with the Kim and the pecking order of um, where she was sitting at dinner. Boys left in a hotel room. Um, it, she had a frustration that Mrs. Dan Broderick was going back to Notre Dame and it wasn't her. 
did she refer specifically to Linda as being Mrs. Dan Broderick? Yes. Okay. And did she say anything about Linda and whether she was doing a good job of being Mrs. Dan Broderick? She never gave Linda any type of compliment at all. So no, she was not, didn't like the way she dressed her. Linda just didn't do anything well in Betty's eyes. <clears throat> you indicated that she was um, frustrated. Was she angry? Concerning the Notre Dame trips? Yes. Show? Yeah, she was just always angry. So yes, she was angry and frustrated. Now, how about the day before Dan and Linda Broderick were killed, that Saturday? Did you see Elizabeth Broderick that day? Yes, I did. How was it that she saw her? Um, I had the habit of dropping by to see her early in the morning, and this on spare time, the weekends that she had her children, the boys, and I stopped by at the condo, and um, I hadn't seen the condo, and she'd been wanting me to come and see the condo, and... Um, so this was some, there was no like prearranged agreement. You just stopped oh, by no. to say hi. No, yeah, and I always did that. Okay. And about what time was it that you did that? Uh, 7 o'clock, 7.30, more towards 8. Who, who was with her there at the condo? Danny and Rhett. Do you know whether she had spent the night there or had, was she just over there bringing stuff over, if you know? I, I can't recall. Uh, I know that. I think that she spent the night at the house and was maybe there at the um, picking up Rhett's soccer uniform. Or she was trying to get Red had a game, and it was she was very agitated that day, so it was hard to track what was what, where she'd actually been. And, and this was the condo on Morning Way that she had bought there in La Jolla. Mm -hmm. Did um, you indicated that she was very agitated that morning? Was she? Um, can you describe what she was agitated about? She had re received a letter the day before from, I assume, Dan, but it was an attorney, uh, and they were going to put her back in jail. Okay, this was, was her description to you? Right. That she was telling you that she had received this letter and that was what they it were going to do? It was on the counter. Did she, did she show you the letter and <coughs> ask you to read it? She wanted me to read it. Are you okay? You want to take a, need a drink? No, I'm fine. She wanted me to read it. But I did not. It, was there any reason for that? I'd read everything, and I knew that she'd <coughs> probably violate, had a problem with something else again. I just, just didn't want to read it anymore. Okay. <coughs> I think there's some water in there. Can you clean it to the cleaners here, too? Other than indicating that she was uh, angry about receiving this letter the day before, did uh, she say anything? Was she angry about her, her financial situation? Did she yes. say anything about that? She had been to the accountant, I assume, the day before. And after she sold the house, the other house on, on, um, in La Jolla, <clears throat> paid off her, her taxes, her back taxes, and what was income tax. She'd only have 50000 left, and she was very upset and frustrated and angry about that. After all this, that's all she would have. <clears throat> and, and again, this is what she was describing to you. You didn't have any independent knowledge of whether or not that was true or whether no, the accountant no, had actually I, told no. her that. Okay. Um, was she, did she say anything about the, the recent, that morning, did she say anything about the recent trips that Dan and Linda had taken? 
that morning. Mm -hmm. I, I can't recall. Uh, she might have. I just have a problem okay. was, remembering. Was there any time shortly before the murders that she had complained or talked about the, the trips that Dan and Linda were taking? I put that further back around Halloween. You know, Halloween would have been that same week, is that correct? Would have been that Tuesday before that day. And, and what did she say? <coughs> she was just real upset that they were taking a lot of trips and, and then I guess brought into that Saturday where Kim was in Arizona trying to straighten out her academics at University of Arizona and she was very frustrated that Dan wasn't going to pay for Kim's tuition and, and was going on and on about all the everything. We, that particular day talked about an awful lot of stuff. Okay. and. Um, was she, when you say she was going on and on, that particular day, what was her demeanor when she was discussing all these things? Extremely upset, extremely angry, uh, livid. Did she say anything about Linda? Yes, she said Linda was, uh, <clears throat> the last, I, I, I just, I know I have, I can't remember on that day, I need that testimony, I just can't remember. Would it help to refresh your recollection yes, to take a would. look at a, at I'd a appreciate it. <clears throat> if I can have a moment, Your Honor. Certainly. Do you recall um, Ms. Picard giving an interview to a district attorney investigator back on November 27th of 1989? Yes, okay. I assume it that day. Short, so a couple of weeks after these events. Yes. yes. And if you take a look at that report. Who wrote, who wrote the report? Dated November 27th, 1989 written by investigator Bill Green and referring to page four the last paragraph. What, can you read? I mean not can you read, do you need glasses? <laughs> I need my glasses. Can I go This is I can I'll, I'll try and look this here. that helped you refresh your recollection about that conversation that day? And do you recall what she said about Linda? <coughs> Frustrations over Linda and taking all the trips that Linda was leading her life. When she said that Linda was leading her life, did she? how did she say that? What would you describe? She was very angry that Linda was leading her life. Before you left that day, did she ask you anything in particular about Linda? Yes, she asked me if Linda was pregnant. And I told her, how would I know? I wouldn't know that. Did she say anything to you about knowing that Dan and Linda were trying to have a baby? I think a month before she said that they were gonna have another family. During um, that conversation while you were there on that Saturday morning, did the, the issue come up of how Thanksgiving was going to be spent? Yes. <clears throat> she asked me what I was doing for Thanksgiving. 
and um, I told her that I didn't have my children, and uh, she turned to Danny and said, well, what are you doing? And he went to the phone and called his dad, and um, he got off the phone, and he said, we're going to be with you, Mom, for Thanksgiving, and part of Christmas Eve, and no, Christmas Eve, and part of Christmas Day, and all of the vacation. So he had, he had called his father, Mr. Broderick, to confirm that? Yes, that morning. And I stood with a calendar, and we marked it on the calendar. And what did, um, did she appear to be happy about that? It didn't seem to affect her. I was excited, because <clears throat> that was something that was real important to her. Did she say anything about whether or not she was going to actually have Thanksgiving with the kids? Um, <clears throat> no, she really didn't, because she brought up the China thing again. What was that? That she didn't have her China. She couldn't have Thanksgiving because she didn't have her China. Was it, was it your impression that she was saying, even though she was going to have the kids, that she couldn't have it because she didn't have the China? Yes, that was my impression. By the way, when, when you would go over to visit um, Elizabeth Broderick at her house, for example, on Calle de Cielo, was she security conscious? Did she keep the doors locked? No. W when she wasn't there, would you be able to go into the house? Yes. I'd leave her a note on the counter that I'd been there. So the door, she, she would be gone, no one would be at, ha at the house, and the doors would still be unlocked? Most of the time they were unlocked. Sometimes it was locked. <clears throat> Now, sometime after November the 5th, when Dan and Linda were killed, did you have a conversation with Elizabeth Broderick from jail? Did she call you from jail? Yes. And was that on um, November 26th, right after Thanksgiving? Yes. Can you describe what she said? Do you recall what she said in that conversation? It was just a very short conversation. She had. Um, she sounded great. She said she'd never been happier. Her roommate was Karen Wilk Wilkening, uh, who was doing her hair and her makeup, and she just sounded very good, very exuberant. It was a very short conversation. Do you re Do you know what the purpose of the conversation was? I mean, did she? No, I don't think there was a purpose. But she indicated to you that she was very happy. Yeah. If I could show you a, uh, with respect to exactly what she said to you, would it help to refer to a report? Certainly. Right. <coughs> report dated um, December 13th, 1989 written by Mr. Green. Refresh your recollection about what she said about never being happier? Yeah, she's never been happy in her life. 
Did she say anything about like I couldn't feel better? Yes, she said. <coughs> I'm sorry. I cannot. I really do need my glasses. I appreciate doing that. Can I read this? No. It had to end. There was so much unhappiness. <coughs> and I couldn't feel better. And I couldn't. I've never felt better. After that conversation, did you receive another phone call from her from jail? Yes. And was that on December 26th? Yes. Of that year, the day after Christmas? Yes. Um, did she say anything? Again, was it, this was a phone call from jail from her, is that correct? Correct. Did she say anything to you about uh, why she had killed Dan or Linda? Anything specifically about Linda? Linda was destroying her life, destroying her family, destroying her social life. That's, that's what she said to you? That's what she said to me. And I said back to her, so you destroyed her? And she said yes. And how did she say yes? <clears throat> she said it very lightheartedly. She was, did not bother her. Did she, did she laugh? Yes. Did you ask her whether there was anything about whether there was anything that you could have done to have prevented it? I asked her if what could I have done to stop you from what she did. And she said there was nothing you could have done, nothing. Did you take any more phone calls from her after that? No, I didn't. Was there a reason for that? Your Honor, objection. Overruled. You can ask that. Yes, it was just too painful. It, it just, it just was more than I could handle. <clears throat> I have no further questions. Question down. Picard, you have. Uh, I take it you have a lot of friends. These times when you were visiting uh, Elizabeth Broderick, you had a lot of friends, didn't you? Yes. You had a very busy life. You had a business of your own. Yes. You were raising children. Yes. Yeah. And uh, um, the during a time that. Uh, <coughs> Um, that you were, during a time that you were visiting Elizabeth Broderick, you were also friends with Dan Broderick, weren't you? I hadn't seen Dan in about six years. Okay. Um, you had been dating a uh, judge that was a close friend of his? Occasionally. Okay. And um, that was someone who was going to the wedding that day? I assume. I wasn't at the wedding. Okay. And I take it that you must have talked to people going to the wedding, didn't you? Yes. Okay. And uh, there was people were talking about lots of rumors about Elizabeth Broderick, were they not? Yes. Okay. And so you decided that um, that you would uh, you would be the one that would go over and sit with Elizabeth Broderick. 
kind of making sure that um, she wouldn't do anything. Yes, it was my decision. Okay. Well, you talked to some other people. You set up the system. Is that correct? Correct. Beeping system. <clears throat> so with one other person. Okay. The um, during the time, um, and also you're very good friends with. Uh, uh, even now, uh, people that are very close to Dan Broder. Are you not? Like who? Well, uh, you've gone to the opening of his bar in San Diego. Mr. Broderick was build, building a bar that you went to the opening, didn't you? No, I did not. Do you remember, in a, do you remember indicating in a conversation with Elizabeth Broderick when you were taped with the district attorney that on the opening night of Reedy O'Neill's you went to uh, Reedy O'Neill's? About five hours after the opening. Okay. Um, the um, <clears throat> times that uh, Kim Broderick have uh, has been in town, you've been taking her out to Palm Springs, going places with her. Is that correct? Absolutely. Uh, Kathy Broderick, you have. Yes. Um, you've been um, gone to uh, some ceremonies for Mr. Broderick. No. Did you go to? Uh, did you go to uh, at any place where there was at a bar where there was some kind of tribute to Mr. Broderick? At a bar? Yes. No, I've never been to any memorial things to Dan Broderick. <clears throat> and um, during the when did you when did you uh, first meet Elizabeth and Dan Broderick? Uh, 1977. <clears throat> okay. Spring. And spring of 1977. Mm -hmm. And during that period of time, um, it, it, I'm sure it came to your attention very quickly that m Mrs. Broderick was somebody who was very concerned with money, and it was very important to her. No, I don't think it came right away. In a short period of time. As we as we all kind of grew up together and. <clears throat> um. And going on through the 70s and the 80s, uh, into the early 80s, uh, you indicated the relationship that you remember Mr. Broderick having with his children. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, were you around any of the au pairs, Mr. That that were living in a home? There were au pairs. Have you, several. Have you <clears throat> talked to the au pairs uh, about Mr. Broderick and what was going on in the family and his attitude? To the old pair girls? Yes. No. Do you know why any of them would? Objection, Your Honor. She doesn't talk to them. Sustained. Well, have you heard that any of them have Objection, a reason? Objection, Your Honor. That's improper. Your Honor, she said, in my opinion, Mr. Roger, I'll ask them, have you heard? You asked. Go ahead. Okay. If you heard, have you heard that some of the old pairs uh, riding home to their family while they were living there would talk about how horrible Mr. Broderick was to the children and to his wife in the early 80s. Had you heard that? No. Would that change your mind of someone in, about Mr. Broderick, of people living in the home? Uh, Describe him in that way? Not coming from the old pair girls, no. Okay. If um, you were to hear that the 
Um, have you heard that the boys um, said that their father would scare them? Had you heard that? No. Would that change your mind uh, about how they felt about their father? No. Had you heard that uh, when they would, uh, about being on a boating trip and Daniel Broderick ripping the seats out of the boat and throwing into the ocean and scaring the children? No. Would that change your mind if you were to hear that to be true? I don't think so. If you were to hear that he would kick the dog and the children would be very upset about it. Have you heard that? Have I heard that he has kicked the dog? Yes. The little dogs that they used to have? Yes, and the children would be very upset about it. Well, the, <laughs> the dogs were easy to kick. I mean, I, I stepped on no, the dogs. No, 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 ma'am. Not, not, I mean, going up <laughs> Actually, and kicking the dogs because he was mad at them. No, I, would I, would I, do I believe that? Have you that? heard that? Have, have I heard, heard that? that? I've heard that from Betty. Yeah, Betty would say that over the years. Well, have you Did heard? I see it? No. Okay. Uh, what, what, did you hear Kim's testimony the other day? Parts of it. Did you hear Lee's testimony last time? No. If So you have, would that change your mind about Dan Broderick? If you were to hear that was true. Did he kick, are we still on the dock? Yes, kick the we're dogs? still on the docks. Would it change my opinion of Dan? Yes. No, it would not. Would it change your opinion about Dan if you were to hear that in fits of temper? Or have you heard that he destroyed the lawnmower, destroyed aquariums, he's thrown um, um, uh, doors out of window, he's ripped a door off the garage over a can of Coke, uh, that he ripped the uh, garage door off? Would that change your mind? Have you heard that? He ripped the garage door off? Have you heard that? No, I've not heard any of this. Would that change your mind if you so. were to find out that was true? I don't think so. Okay. Um, have you heard? Uh, it, have you heard that one time when they were at the uh, home uh, that Rhett and Danny were arguing and the boys were thrown against the wall? Have you heard that? No, I have not heard that. Would that change your mind if you were to find that was true? How would you know it was true? I'm asking you if you if you knew it was true, if you were to hear that. You, you didn't go to the divorce trial, did you? No. Okay. You didn't go with the boys when they testified, did you? No. Okay. If you heard that was true, would that change your mind? Probably not. Okay. If you heard that after uh, having drunk driving convictions that he drove with the children in the car when he was under the influence, would that change your mind? Have you heard that? I have not heard that he drove with the kids. I heard about the drunk driving. Well, if you were to hear that he would drive with the children when they were drunk, would that change your mind? When the children were drunk? When he was. When he was drunk? Um, but that changed my mind, my opinion of Dan Broderick? Might lessen it a tiny bit. Okay. So that would lessen it a tiny bit. Mm -hmm. If it was true.
you were to hear uh, that he was um, not paying attention to his family, going out uh, with the boys instead. Have you heard that? Yes, I've heard that, but he did that. Yeah. Okay. And where did you hear that from? Betty. Okay. If you were to hear it from another source, you didn't believe it, I take it, because you heard it from Betty. Oh, no, I did. You did believe that? Well, yeah, I believe that Betty said that. But you still felt that Mr. Broderick was an exemplary father, even though you heard that? I felt that he was a good father and did the best he could do. You were to hear that um, the boys, Dan was a very good dresser, wasn't he? Yes, he was. If you were to hear that the there was complaints from the school about the boys going to school with holes in their shoes um, and inappropriate dress, have you heard that? Yes, I have. And that's from Betty? Yes, that was from Betty. Have you heard it from any other source? I think in... When you were asking Kim, or somehow in the trial, first or second trial, I can't remember which. Would that change your opinion? No. I have a little boy, too. Yeah. And he goes to school with holes in his shoes? He wears a uniform, so I'm covered. The, um, if you were to hear that, um, that um, Rhett went to school every day uh, with a runny nose, and it wasn't taken care of, and they... Objection, Your Honor, that these all assume facts on the Sustained. Um, when was uh, your divorce going on? 87. Yeah. I think it was final. Yeah, 87. Okay. There was a period of time where you said you were going through the divorce, though, mm -hmm. and you were not seeing Elizabeth Broderick. When mm -hmm. was that? I would say I didn't see Betty for about four years. I put it about the 83 to 87 frame. Okay. Um, and so from 1983 to 1987, virtually you had lost contact with each other? On a one-to-one -one basis, yes. The, um, and then sometimes, do you remember, was it uh, after 87, 88, or was it sometimes? 88, 89 is when I was closer. You've, you've described uh, Elizabeth Broderick as a Alcoholic spender, is that correct? Is yeah, that was your opinion of her? You referring that in the last trial? Well, I'm asking if you've ever referred to her that your opinion of her was that she was an alcoholic spender. Last trial, yes. And that that's, she'd always been that way, as far as you can remember. Yes, a compulsive alcoholic spender. And, um,
And if the only thing that she worshipped in life was money, and she always had, and she always, uh, was your opinion, she always would. Objection, Rana, that's just the world is on cross. Is that true or not true? Uh, would you repeat the question, Mr. Early? The main thing that she had worshipped in life was money. That was something that she had, that was always your opinion of her. Money was her big, her main focus. And it always had been. It was important to her, yes. Well, it, you not only said it was important, you indicated she worshipped money, didn't you? Objection is to time, which she's referring to. Stand. Well, I, I mean, that was your feeling uh, as the last trial that she was somebody who worshipped money. Isn't that correct? The last, excuse me, it's Vegas to time and when she was referring to. Sustained. Well, let me give you your time frame, okay? And see, did you say that, she, do you, is it your opinion of her that she was close to money, she worshipped money, it was her main goal in life, she loved it, she was a very materialistic person, materialistic person. she always was. And that, is that your opinion? In the 80, 88, 89 years, yes, that is my opinion. What, you indicated that she always was. She always enjoyed what money bought, but as the last two years it became more of importance to her than anything else, but I think that's what I said. I'd like to refer you to page uh, 
was it your answer that she was very materialist, worship money, and she always had? What you're saying is not true from here, not the way I'm interpreting it. We start at 27. What was the defendant's attitude about money? She was real close to money. She worshipped money. It was the main goal in her life. <clears throat> she loved it. She's a very materialistic person. She always was. That part, she always was. Worshipping money was very strong in the last few years. The, um, can we get that in the record? She was talking softly, so let's turn that over. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Now, you, you are also, you're also a friend of uh, Gail Forbes. Yes. I met Gail through Betty. And you also, um, um, you've come to the trial a number of times last year to watch parts of the trial, even when you weren't testifying, did you not? Um, I came when Gail testified and when Brian testified, yes, when I sat outside. Did you did you go any of the divorce hearings with Elizabeth Broderick? Not at all. Um, did um, and you knew that in that she had been there had been a hearing in 1986 that dissolved the marriage. I believe you said some time in 1989 that there was a decision as to the property. Yes. Okay. Now, Betty was always the dominant one, so you must have known that uh, the property in Telluride was in, you believed it was in her name, not Dan's name? Do you know uh, where all the property in the household name was in? Did you know? No, I did not know. Did you know who all the accounts uh, as far as all their money was in, whose name that was in. I really knew nothing about their finances, Mr. Early. 